Okay. We are ready to get started. Okay, we're going to get started. We're going to open with a word of prayer and then we're going to get started. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, the name that's above every name, the King of kings and Lord of lords and God of gods and the God that wrote us this magnificent book and gave us this wonderful book and told us who we are, what we could do, what we're not supposed to do, where we can walk and where we're not supposed to walk. Now, Lord, we want to thank you and praise you for this wonderful book, the Word of God that sets us free. Lord, thank you for this magnificent manual. Now, Lord, if we read it tonight, we rebuke every devil of hell. We command every devil to get their hands off of us to not steal a single word out of our minds or our hearts to get out of our life in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we ask you to send the Holy Spirit to convict us, the Holy Spirit to direct us to be our teacher. And Lord, that we may walk holy in obedience to your word so we give no place to the enemy. Lord, we want to thank you and praise you for this evening as we open the word of God in the book of Ephesians. We ask you to bless everything we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Well, uh, we're going to go to the book of Ephesians. Now then, before I get over there in the book of Ephesians, while you're looking that up, I've got to give you a little bitty tiny praise report of something that happened. Uh, There was a gentleman that... uh, came by and told me a praise report and actually didn't come by, called me. And he's from up in the northeast, uh, up in uh, Virginia, Pennsylvania, up in that area. He said, somebody gave me some of your CDs and DVDs the other day and I started listening to them. He said, I want you to know I am 64 years old. And he said, I started listening to those and he said, I could not believe what I was hearing. That the Word of God literally meant what it said. So he said, I began to listen more and more and called and got more and more of your teachings. And said, as we listened to those, my faith level grew to a new height. In fact, he said the other day, we were at church and there was a woman had a problem. And said she had this problem. And I just thought to myself, you know, what this woman's got is a demon. He said, that's what it is. So he said, Thurman, I want you to know I am a 270-pound man. I'm not a little bitty guy. He said, I walked over and grabbed this woman by the arm and commanded the devil to come out of her in the name of Jesus. He said, "Uh, I made one mistake. I didn't command the demon not to manifest. So he said, when I commanded the demon to come out, said, this little woman went wild and she began to throw me around like a rag. He said, Thurman, those things are strong. I said, yes, sir. I know they said I had to call two other men over to help me subdue her. He said, we continued to be bold and command this devil to leave out of her. said she started throwing up a foam out of her mouth as she was screaming. And he said, then the demons all left her and said when they did, she was totally set free. It totally changed her and said she was healed. He said, I thought, wow, this is real. So he said, I went down to a truck stop where there was a man there that had been a pastor that had had a stroke and he was sitting in a wheelchair in the truck stop. 
And I knew this man was a great man of God, but I knew the devil had bound him. So I went up to him and told him, said, Brother, you need to repent of every sin. And he said, the brother said, Brother, if there's anything I've ever repented of, I haven't repented of. He said, I now repent of everything known and unknown. He said, I reached over and put my hands on his shoulders and screamed in the truck stop, You devil of hell, come out of him in the name of Jesus. He said, the devil came out of him and the man jumped out of his wheelchair and ran out the front door. <laughs> he said, you talk about changing the area up here in Virginia and Pennsylvania. He said, your teachings, we're getting them and giving them to everybody we know. He said, it is changing our lives up here in Virginia and Pennsylvania. Isn't that awesome? All I can say is, thank you, Jesus. Glory to the King of kings and Lord of lords and God of gods. It is so awesome. He said, to think all this stuff been in this book. But he said, I didn't read it. I didn't understand this book. Because nobody teaches it like this in church. But he said, when I began to read it and heard you say, it means exactly what it says. You know, if Jesus said it, all you got to do is believe it. And he said, I began to realize it means exactly what it says. And so when you begin to believe it like it's written and straighten your act up. Oh, by the way, I got to have, got to give you another praise report before we go any further. There was a couple I talked to today, actually talked to him. He said, we saw you at Big Sandy a couple of years ago with the Bill Gothard conference. He said, we had never been introduced to the power of God like that. He said, we had never seen anything like that. So he said, my wife and I got those teachings and we've listened to them, so we, we uh, begin to call your ministry center and order your teachings. And said, every time we order anything, you send it to us free and postpaid. He said, we've been listening to you now for a year and a half. He said, the other day my wife and I was talking. She had an allergy problem with a nose drip for the last 20 years. Well, nothing we could give her would get rid of it. He said, I told her, honey, I said, it's got to be a demon. It's got to be because of some kind of sin in your life that's causing this problem. So said she had some little secret sins she had never shared with me. But she re- she repented of those, shared them with me. We rebuked the devil and said the next morning we woke up. My wife for the last eight weeks has not had any sign of allergies since that time. Isn't that awesome? Glory to God. Praise the King. I mean, you don't have to be sick as a Christian, do you? You don't have to be. Now, here this lovely little wife of his had been sick for with these allergies for 20 years. All because of a little besetting sin. And when she got that little besetting sin repented of, and they drove that devil out and prayed for her, the king of kings showed up and healed her. Isn't it wonderful? The Lord, when he said, don't sin, that's, meant, that's what he meant, wasn't it, Deborah? That's what he meant. Don't sin? How do you mess that up? Don't sin. Hey, that's hard. I mean, I mean, he, he couldn't have meant that, could he? Yeah, I mean, don't, don't sit. No, 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 now, now, you know God. He understands. He knows we're flesh. He knows we got to sin a little. No, that's not what he said, was it? I mean, it's all, when you start seeing it in the book, it's all over the book, isn't it? I mean, it's from cover to cover, especially in the New Testament. He says, don't sin. And so we think, wow, he didn't say that once or twice. He said it lots of times. But we start out here in Ephesians chapter 6, and he starts out children. Children, look what he says here. Children, children do what? 
Now, isn't that amazing that God would command the children to obey their physical parents and he would not command us to obey him, our spiritual daddy? That doesn't make any sense, does it? If he would obey, he would command the children to obey us, the parents, then why is it if we're children, would he not command us to obey him in the spirit world? Well, of course he does. He tells us to do that. But he's trying to give us examples Physical examples of what he means when he says, children, obey your parents. Well, you might say he's saying the same thing. Children, obey me. I'm your parent. Is that right? So that's what he's trying to say. So children, obey your parents. And same thing for us. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. Then he says, honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise. Honor your father and your mother. Honor them. Well, do you think then, if he's talking to us as earthly children, to honor our mother and father on earth, he would expect us as his children to honor him and his name? Of course. You know, he expects, he's telling us there, there's both parallels there. And then look, that it says in verse 3 that it might be well with you and thou mightest live long on the earth. That it might be well with you that you may live long on the earth. Well, I mean, who would ever dream that if you're a young man or a young woman and you're disobedient to your mother and daddy, that it could cause you not to live long on the earth. I mean, here it is in the Word, but we don't believe it. You know, how many young men and young women do you know that are totally rebellious to their mother and daddy? You know, if and how old do you have to be before you don't have to honor your mother and father anymore? I mean, there's no limitations in the Word, is there? So, if you, if you don't have to honor your mother and father on earth, then... What age do you think you have to get before you don't have to honor your daddy in heaven? There ain't no such thing. We have to honor him all of our lives. Now, what if we're disobedient to God? In other words, if we're disobedient to our physical flesh and blood parents on earth, and we don't honor them, then he says that it, our days it will not go well with us. And we will not be blessed with a long life. Who would ever dream that by being disobedient and not honoring your mother and father, it could cause you to die at 45 years old? Now, let's say, for instance, you've got two sons. They come along, they're two years apart. And one of them, as they get to be 20 years old, he's always been a nice young man. He honors his mother and daddy, loves them. And they ask him to do things. He says, yes, mom, yes, dad, I'll be happy to do it. But the other one, a couple of years long, younger, he comes along and, no, oh, he's a little rebellious critter. You know, he don't want to do anything. He wants to go out and get on drugs and he wants to drink and he wants to wreck the car. And, and Daddy tries and tries and even after he reprimands him and everything, he still has said, Ah, you old fool, when I get to be 18 years old, I'm going to be on my own then. I can do anything I want to do. You ever heard people talk to their parents like that? Sure, I have too. And then they go out there in the world and they appear to go to school, get them an education maybe, or go to work somewhere and they're doing good and they're wild and everything else. And at 28, he has a motorcycle wreck and kills himself. Somebody says, what a shame, just an accident. Wasn't no accident, was it? 
Who caused him to die? He did. What did he do? He did not honor his mother and his father. Did the Lord say there that if you honor your mother and father, it will go well with you? And that it will bring a long life to you? Did he say that? Okay, if he said that, what if you don't do that? Then you ain't going to have a good life. You're going to have a miserable life. There's going to be all kinds of things crop up in your life. Probably many times things are going to happen. Your car is going to break down prematurely. And you think, oh man, I'm doing good this week. I've got a good paycheck coming. i got everything done. I'm going to go out and run around. I'm going to have fun this weekend. And Friday afternoon when you get paid, your car breaks. And you got $500 and it costs 800 to fix your car. <laughs> Why me? Why is every time I think I'm getting ahead, I can't get ahead? Well, let me tell you why. Because you're disobedient to mother and daddy. Is that right? You're opening the door to the devil. You ain't never going to prosper. And then when you get to be, like I say, it might happen. Do you ever, do you ever heard of anybody 28 years old or 20 years old get killed on a motorcycle? It happens all the time, doesn't it? I mean, just like the other night, Cheryl and I was going home from church on Sunday night here a while back. It wasn't too long ago. We pulled out on the freeway up here. and We got into the next to the inside lane because we turned on the 635 up there. And all of a sudden, I heard this, and I, what is that? And wow, motorcycles went by us on both sides. I mean, they were in the left lane, they were in this lane. And I mean, we were driving 65, so these guys wasn't just messing around. I mean, the way them guys went around us, I bet they were driving 100 miles an hour. You know what I did? I started praying for those guys. Lord, if there's anybody needs help, them boys need help. Them boys is nearly as young and dumb and stupid as I was when I was that age. You know, I know that none of y'all ever seen young boys be dumb and stupid. I don't know, maybe you was young and dumb and stupid just like I was. You know, I had one of them crazy motorcycles when I was young. I did obey my parents. And that's the only reason I'm alive today. I guarantee, because if you had seen me in Goldsway, Texas, when I was 18 years old, the only kid in town that had a motorcycle had a great big Harley Davidson. And I, it was a solid white one. And I would be out there on the highway, and oh, I was so good. I rode that thing. I had no problem when a carload of boys and girls would come by, and I'd say, let me show you all something. And I'm running down the road 60 miles an hour, and I would turn loose the handlebar, stand up in the seat, and ride down the road like this in the highway, drive, ride 60 miles an hour, you know, pull out in the other lane, you know, shifting my body away. I was a dummy. You know, I had no idea that motorcycle turned over 60 what it would do to me. You know, I was completely stupid. You know, but what happens to most young men when they're 18 years old? Do they have a brain? If they did have, they'd take it out and play with it. Isn't that true? I mean, I've done some dumb things. I think back now, riding a motorcycle. Man, if I'm riding a motorcycle now, I'm riding it slow. I've got to hold them handlebars. I don't even turn them loose. You know. But to get up off the seat and stand up like this and ride it 60 or 70 miles an hour down, give me a break. You couldn't pay, Eldon, you couldn't pay me enough money in the world to do that today. You know that? Would you do that? No. No. Ain't no way I'm going to do that. Ain't no way I'm going to do such a dumb thing. But why did I do those young, those things? I was dumb and didn't have a brain. 
You know, I didn't have, I had no idea what was going on. Now then, if I had been a disobedient son, the devil would have had legal right to me instead of them angels out there watching over me. And I'm sure them angels were glad when I got to be 30. I took a big load off of them boys when I got 30. <laughs> them boys were busy watching over me. When I was young, at least, praise God, I was an obedient son. I loved mother and dad. I walked in obedience to the word best I could. But I was, I had, if I had, no, had, had not have had those wonderful beings of grandeur watching over to protect me, I can just see them angels running along beside me out there saying, oh, Watch him over there. Get him over. He's fixing to fall over. Get him. Hold him up. I got him on this side. I can only see them guys. And when I got about 30 and began to settle down, they said, we sure do need a rest. <laughs> He's finally getting a little bit smarter. I mean, but I wasn't very smart. But when I was young, if that devil had had legal claim to me, I wouldn't be here today. You know that? I would have got killed on that motorcycle. I guarantee I would have never made it. But see, but people don't understand this principle. If we're walking in obedience to the word, the Lord says he sends his angels and give them charge over you to protect you so that no evil or no harm shall come to your house, your dwelling place. Well, what if you're not walking in obedience to the word? What if you're disobedient to parents, like Ephesians 6 says? What if you're not honoring your mother and your father? Well, what if you get grown and get to be 30 or 40 or 50 years old and you're not honoring your real spiritual dad? What if you're not honoring him? What if you're not obeying him? Same thing. Same principle applies here in the spirit world as Ephesians 6 is telling us applies in the flesh world. If we as children do not obey our parents, it will shorten our days on this earth and give us a terrible life. Well, if we obey them and do what the Lord says, it will give us a great life and it will give us a long healthy life. Now, I like that, don't you? Yes, I do. I like that good, long, healthy life. And I like to be able to get my prayers answered when I pray. And so when you're obedient, the king hears your prayers and answers them. But when we get to be 30, 40, 50, if we don't obey the king, well, what does it mean to obey the king? Well, I know he said go to church, but you know, I don't need to go to church all the time. I just go to church when I feel like it. No, that's just obedience. And that will bring sickness and disease to your flesh. Now then, what if you go to church every Sunday, but you only give him one day a week? That's not good enough either, is it? He expects us as his children to honor him and love him. How many days a week? Or uh, seven days a week. 24-7, that's exactly right. He expects us to put him first 24-7. Now when we do that, that's when he sends those angels and gives them charge over you and protects you. And you can walk through life with no sickness and no disease. Now, how many of you are like me? You want to walk through life with no sickness and no disease. It sure is a whole lot better, isn't it? If you've ever been sick like I have when I didn't know how to do this, it, it is no fun to have double pneumonia. It is no fun to cough for six months after you had it, and you cannot sleep on your back. You turn over on your back and immediately it wakes you up coughing and gagging. And, you know, and I just thought, you know, this is just the way it is. And that was the way it was because I didn't know how to walk by faith. 
But, and I got a hold of walking by faith, I could learn to make sure I'd repented of my sins, kick that devil out, and walk in faith. Then I can walk in divine health. And that's where we all want to walk, isn't it? None of us want to walk in sickness and disease. So, when you think about the people that, just like this couple Cheryl and I ministered to the other day, a, a couple, and of course we see this, it don't make any difference if you're 19 or 25 like they were, or 45 or 50 or whatever you are. Too many people in the church today that are going to church, that are going to church every time the doors open, have, have not realized who this enemy is we're going to talk about tonight. And they've yielded to the enemy, and they've got into a knockdown dragout with their mate, and they've went into a divorce, and they've got divorced, and then yet they're still 30, 40, 50 years old. And when they're 30, 40, 50 years old, they like, well, I don't care how old you are, they like a companion, especially of the opposite sex. So whenever they say they meet a girl at church, you know, here's a 40-year-old guy, and he meets a girl at church, and she's been divorced, and she don't have a husband, and she wants a companion too. So, you know, they get to going together, and the first thing you know, they try to justify sleeping together once in a while. You know, it's okay. You know, we're washed in the blood. God don't mind. And so first thing you know, here they are in the church, going to church, but yet now they've moved in with each other. And today, so many of them say, you know, well, this is so-and-so, or, uh, you know, I mean, I'm living with so-and-so, you know, or she or me or whatever. You know, no big deal. Do you, do you know people in the church that talk like that today? I do, too. Going to church, living together, living in sin, but yet they're justifying it. It's okay. But it's not okay. Now then... When you go back, let me go back just a few verses from where we are in Ephesians. Let's go back to Galatians. And I want you to see in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, I want you to see what that says. When you find your scripture, read there with me in Galatians five nineteen. Now it says, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery and fornication. Now, if you're in the church and you're living in adultery or fornication, that's not the works of the Spirit, is it? That's the works of who? The flesh. The flesh likes to feel good. The flesh likes to be satisfied. And it's one of these two. Of course, that's not the only two it talks about here. It says that adultery, fornication uncleanliness. Isn't it amazing how that he puts uncleanliness and lasciviousness, which means all kinds of wicked stuff. All that's right in line with adultery and fornication. Uncleanliness. You know, I think about whenever they had the movies, the videos of those people that were going to have that decadence day in New Orleans the week supposedly after the hurricanes hit down there and wiped it out. So they don't have, didn't have it. But I think about the videos that were showed to the city of New Orleans. And those men and women were filmed in other cities doing everything you can imagine that was filthy and unclean. Isn't it amazing 
what they do in that. I wouldn't even speak some of those things here tonight on this tape or before you because they're so unclean what those people do. But he says these things that these people do, he goes ahead and talks about that. Then he says in the next verse there, he says, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred. You know, he, he goes on down and lists all those things. I'll just let you read all those things. Then when you get down to verse 21, he says, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of the which I tell you before, as I've also told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, is that scary? I mean, let's put it like this. If you're lost or you're saved, if you're in the church or out of the church, if you're a human being living in the flesh, is some of these things, whenever people go down and get drunk, and when they're drinking that beer, some people, or whiskey or whatever they drink, or that tequila or whatever they drink, some people really think they're having fun and they like that, don't they? They even like the taste of it. And they're having a ball. Does it satisfy the flesh? Oh, yeah, they're having a ball. They never felt so good. You know, they're just having such fun. They're dancing with all the guys or the girls or whatever. They're having a ball. But when they, if they wake up the next morning, they may have an awful, what they call, hangover, headache, upset stomach, throwing up. I don't know about you, but that don't seem like the abundant life to me. You know, when people have those hangovers and you see them the next day and you say... Oh, John, how are you doing? He said, oh, don't talk to me. I went out last night and got wasted and I feel awful. Well, if it does that to you, why do it? I, I don't understand that, do you? If I, took, if I did something that made me feel that bad the next morning, I don't think I'd ever do it again. But that devil, he'll draw him right back into that sin. And now then, I mean, it's just like adultery or fornication. You know, if if a guy and he picks up a girl somewhere some night and they're both out drinking and they go home and go to bed together, do they enjoy that? Oh yeah, they think they do. Now then, what if she gets pregnant out of wedlock? Ooh, that ain't no fun. That ain't no fun. Or what if he, like so many people that I deal with on a regular basis, they pick up a venereal disease, and it happens to be one of them simple ones like AIDS. Oh, my goodness. Was it worth it? I don't think so. But see, that's the minor things you get. What if you die in that sin? Not only did you have to suffer all this nonsense, that's pain and suffering on earth, but if you're disobedient to your Heavenly Father and you you die in that sin, where did He say you're going to go? If He said you shall not inherit the kingdom of God, where do you think you're going to go? It better sure have been good. That, that tequila you drank, that sure better have been good. You know, or that sex you outside, outside, had outside of wedlock, it sure better have been good. Because you just paid your eternity as a price for that sin. I ain't nothing that good for me, is it you? Absolutely not. There ain't nothing that good. Nothing. Now then, God has made a provision for us to enjoy life. And it's walking obedience to His Word. Do what he says. And when you do, wow, life is great. But in Ephesians chapter 6, 
We go on here after he says, Those that do those things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, who was Paul talking to there? Was he talking to the lost people or to the Christians? He's talking to Christians. That's absolutely what he's talking to. He said, if you bunch of Christians go out and do these things, you shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So, if I was a Christian and I knew that, or somebody come by and told me that, you know, I think about one of the ladies that works for us in the ministry. As I was teaching these things one day at the minister center, she said, I'm so glad you're beginning to teach these kind of things. Because she said, when I was a young woman, she said, I fell in love with a young man. And, of course, we got really intimate pretty quick. And we thought, well, if we're going to love each other and we're going to get married someday, we just go ahead and have sex. It'll be okay. And so, said, we started having sex, and then we thought, well, if we're going to have sex, then we just have two apartments, let's just move out of one and move into, move out of one and move into one, and that way we've only got one apartment rent. That, doesn't that logically make sense? Sounds good, doesn't it? So they did that. Are they Christians? They say they are. Do they listen to Christian music? Oh, yeah. Do they go to church? Oh, yeah. And then one day the little, the girl, she said, I'm out for a walk. I'm singing the praises of God, walking down the sidewalk. And the king speaks to me and calls my name and said, if you die in the sin you're living in, you're going to hell. Oh, when she heard the king say that, he had already said that in his word, hadn't he? But she heard the king say that. She immediately went back home, repented, and told the young man, it's over. It's over. You ain't touching me ever again. Never, unless you're married to me. That's the only way you're ever going to touch me again. And that's if you're married to me. Well, they repented. They got right. They did get married. And then when they get married, it's okay. But if you ain't married, it ain't okay. It'll take you to the pit of hell. It'll take bring sickness and disease upon you. And I know, I pray for people on a regular basis that's in the church that have contacted a venereal disease. You have no idea how many people all across this country where I go, men and women, and of course some of those diseases are simple ones, you know, like AIDS, you know, like syphilis. Those little ones, you know, that only God can heal. Now you don't want one of them, do you? Well, you know how to keep from getting one? Yeah. You keep yourself clean and pure. You obey and honor your Heavenly Father and you obey what He says in His Word. And then you don't never have to worry about getting none of these diseases. Now then, when He talks about obey and honor your parents, then He says uh, that we're supposed to be obedient. And then, as, as we go on down through here, He says, servants, servants, be obedient to them that are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart, as unto Christ. So, the people that you work for, are you supposed to honor and respect them too? Absolutely. Now, how many people do you know that talks about their employer? A lot of us. We need to be very careful when we do that. Then he says, not with eye service as men pleasers, but 
as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. Let that soak in on you a minute. Doing the will of God from the heart. In other words, everything we go to do, you need to stop and think, what would Jesus do right here? If we think about what would Jesus do, and the Holy Spirit is our teacher, when he tells you to do whatever he would have done, then that's what we need to do. But you know, it really takes some meditation to do it that way. You know how easy it is to fly off the handle? I know nobody in here has ever done that but me. I mean, you know, in a heartbeat, you can be in another world, can't you? I mean, everything can be going perfect. I mean, perfect. You're having a great day. And somebody walk in and scream at you. You can be in another world, can't you? Yes, you can. It's amazing. And you know why we do that? Because we don't stop and think. We don't stop and let the Holy Spirit be in control. We let the flesh take control of us. I know I have been guilty of that many times in my life. With goodwill, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that whosoever, that whatsoever good things that you do, that man do, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord. In other words, what is that trying to say? If you do something to someone else, what's going to happen to you? Same thing. The Lord is going to bring that to you. In other words, that's like the other day. I had, I've made a statement on several of my tapes. And a, a young man that's a Catholic, he sent me an email the other night. And he said, I thought this was quite interesting. I was reading in the scriptures and he told me exactly where. And he said, I was reading there. It says with the, I uh, forget the exact words he used, but this is something like this. He said, I've heard you say that if you sin with your mouth in lying or speaking, a lot of times you will see that those people are afflicted either in their mouth, their tongue, or their vocal cords. And he said, and I also heard you say that if you sin sexually, you'll be attacked in your sex organs. And he said, you know, I was reading in the Bible the other day, and it made that same statement that... With whatever body parts you sin with, you will be afflicted in those parts. Isn't that amazing? But see, right here the Lord's trying to say, knowing that what knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord. So if you do good, whatsoever good thing any man does, you're going to receive good from the Lord. Well, guess what's going to happen if you do evil? Same thing. You're going to receive evil. And ye masters, do the same thing unto them 
forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. Does God care if, does he have any special children? I don't know if he has special children or not, but is he, is he a respecter of persons? Does he care whether you're man, woman? Does he, remember, does he care what color you are, what nationality you are? Anything has any effect on God? No. We're all just human beings, and he is no respecter of persons. So if you sin, you're going to have this problem. Then he says there, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be strong in the Lord. How in the world are you going to be strong in the Lord? How in the world do you get strong in the Lord, in Christ? Do do what? Study the word of God. If you don't pray and see God and read the Word, you will never be strong in the Lord. Finally, this is the final thing he says. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You know, we read this and we're... we're we wonder today in the Christian church, the average Christian church, the devil. Is there really a devil? What does he look like? No, there couldn't be one. I mean, you know, I mean, if there's a devil, he's got to be in South Africa down in the heathen nations, right? You know, it couldn't possibly be over here. It definitely couldn't be in Dallas, Texas. We're, here we are, you know, we're educated, you know, and we're immune from those kind of things. So, I mean... The devil couldn't possibly come in. Well, let me tell you, there was a gentleman talked to me today. I talked to lots of people today on the phone. But I was on the phone all day today. And I was almost late to get here tonight. But there was a man called me today and he said, Thurman, I've been listening in your tapes and teaching. I've even started my own Bible study class now. And he said, my fire is so lit I get up every morning before daylight and I go out running and I talk to the Lord. And said this morning, uh, or, or the last few mornings, whatever it was, I don't think he said this morning, it might have been. He said, I was out there in the dark, running, and I'm praying, and I'm saying, Lord, open my spiritual eyes that I can see the spiritual world. He said, Lord, I want to see it. And he said, Thurman, God spoke to me. I said, wow, what did he say? He said, he called my name, and he said, you're not ready. You're not ready. He said, Lord, what do you mean I'm not ready? He said, he called my name again. And he said, if I were to open your eyes and you see what was running beside you and was what was walking or crawling in and out of the doors and windows of these houses you're passing, houses you're passing, he said, you wouldn't be able to stand it. Ooh. So he said, Lord, don't open my eyes yet. (laughs) You know, I was thinking the other night, uh, several nights ago, Cheryl and I went to see a movie about demons. We heard about these demons in this movie, and I forget the name of the thing. What was it, honey? Constantine. Constantine, yeah, honey, thank you. And we went to see this. Of course, she's sitting there holding my hand, 
and you know, and every once in a while, you know, it's just amazing that you know how they do a movie, you know. You know, they get the scene and the music is just right and everything. You're coming from a place and they zip around the corner and there's this wicked ghastly thing that jumps out, you know. And of course, every time they do it, Cheryl would just jump and grab all of us and I'd be solid as rock. I'd say, honey, get a hold of you. She'd say, well, how do you do that? Didn't that scare you? I said, absolutely not. You know, but she's not got there yet. She's trying. <laughs> but it's all hard to get there, isn't it? I mean, you're tense, and you're up there, and all of a sudden that demon jumps out and gets you, and that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to scare you, and they make those movies to scare you like that, you know. And so, if they can scare you to a certain level, then you you open yourself through the spirit to the spirit of fear, and he'll come in. He loves to come in. He loves to oblige you. He wants to make you more afraid. Well, you need to realize what's going on in the spirit world. Now, that's where that the Lord was telling this man, you are not ready to be open your spiritual eyes to see what's going on in the spirit world. Because, do you know what? Probably tonight, if God were to open all of our spiritual eyes and we could see everything that was in this room in the spirit world, it would probably rock most of us. I mean, we would probably really... I mean, can you imagine what, I mean, here is, here's this wonderful young man sitting over here just as calm as he can be, no problems. But what if all of a sudden we opened, he could open his eyes and there's the biggest, most wicked, ugly demon sitting right beside him. I bet he'd move over, don't you? <laughs> I know Cheryl would. <laughs> but see, these beasts are here. These beasts are here. And this is what you and I are fighting against. And whenever we get a picture of this and realize that when we sin, we open the doors to these guys. You know, we don't understand this, but this is what the Lord's telling us to put on the full armor of God. To be protected. Well, it says, it says, put, as he says here, put on the whole armor of God in verse 11, that you may be able to stand Against the wiles of the devil. I mean, this critter's here, isn't he? He's here. It says, But we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. What? Who is our enemy? Oh, I know who your enemy is. It's your Wife, she's your enemy. See that? And that's a, I mean, you know, when you take a man and a woman together, if you're around them very much, you would sometimes think each other enemies to each other, because we yield to the devil. And when the devil puts the wrong kind of thoughts in our mind, you know, I mean, who would ever dream, you know, how the the devil can do things? I mean, you know, here. In fact, all of you've heard this before. But I can think about how whenever I first began to design and lay out the house out there for Cheryl, I thought, man, I know how to build a house. I know exactly what she'll like. And I laid this thing out and I thought, now she's going to be so proud of this when she sees it. And when she comes in, she says, what, what is it? I said, I want to show you the house I've laid out. You've laid out a house and you didn't ask me how to do it? And man, she got angry with me and I thought she was going to be happy. See? 
So you don't never know. See, so I've learned, like last night, I'm out there installing the, the, the tub. I mean, not the tub, but all the valves and everything in the tub. So I thought, you know, I, I, the faucets, yeah, the hardware. I'm installing the faucets. I know she likes to sit down in a tub and lean over and wash her hair under the deal. So I thought, you know, the average tub faucet's right down close to the top of the deal. But I've always seen her having to lean so far under there to get her hair washed. I thought, you know, I'll go get her. Have her come sit in the tub and lean over and tell me where she wants it. I, I'm running. I'm running. <laughs> and so she realized exactly. And now then, for an average tub, it's about that much higher than an average tub. But it's the way she wants it. So who's going to bathe in that bathtub? She is. I ain't going to believe. If somebody else walks in and say, good grief. I wouldn't want that faucet that high. I said, well, you ain't going to bathe in it. My wife's going to bathe in it, and she's wanted it right there. So I'm going to do it exactly like she wants. So, see, I've learned how to make her happy in some things. I'm not there 100%, but at least I'm trying. So I put the faucet exactly where she wanted it. Amen. Amen. see, See, that's the way it needs to be done, right? I mean, if you've got a maid, is she my enemy? No, who is my enemy? Who's both of our enemies? The devil and his demons, see? So, whenever you get to the point you realize who the beast is, then you start doing things God's way, and then you don't have these complications. See? You, you, but, but if you don't get a hold of who this beast is, we do not fight against flesh and blood. Well, am I flesh and blood? Is Cheryl flesh and blood? So that means we ain't fighting against each other, supposedly, are we, brother? But we fight against each other too much, don't we? Yes, we do. Because there's a devil out there and we won't stop to think it through. Uh, You know what I mean, right? I mean, that devil, he'll move upon us. Somebody will say something or do something. And man, you're up ready to fist fight, right? And in two seconds. You know? No. (laughs) Yeah. Boy, every once in a while, she'll do that to me. You know? Get them little dukes up there that says Tybo or whatever that is. <laughs> Her and Christy do these exercises. If any of you ladies ever seen this exercise they do on television that are called Tybo or whatever, they kick and throw and all this stuff. <laughs> the other night she was singing at a church in Abilene, talking about kicking out the devil when she did. She threw her hands up and kicked about that high. Whoa, everybody just went crazy. <laughs> they didn't know that my honey buddy could do that, but she was kicking out that devil. But she's under, she understands. Thank goodness she never kicked me, but she's kicking the devil. Thank goodness she knows I'm not the enemy. She's learning that anyway. <laughs> There's been times when she thought I was, that's for sure. Oh, goodness. But it says there, but we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness in, of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. So is there a demonic, spiritual, invisible world that we're fighting against? Absolutely it is. And the Lord said, put on the whole armor of God. Well, now we need to talk a little bit more about this. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Now then, whenever you have, when the devil attacks, let's say, especially if he don't have legal right to you, 
But let's say you're sitting there and all of a sudden the devil attacks and you get this tremendous sharp pain in your chest. What does the average Christian do? I mean, it's... What, what do you mean? There you go. We call nine one one, don't we? And then when I read that book that that doctor wrote about people that come in, and he done a, he was a great Christian guy, but he was also a doctor, and he said when I started really keeping records, everybody that came in that said with their mouth, I believe I'm having a heart attack. He said a heart attack had occurred or was starting in every one of them. But when they came in and said, Doc, i got chest pains. He said, you think you might be having a heart attack? Oh, no, I know i got a good heart. It's solid. I must be having something else. I don't know what it is. It's around my heart, but I definitely don't believe I'm having a heart attack. He said not one single one of them had anything wrong with their heart. Now, see... When you are attacked by the enemy, and he puts that pain in your chest or your heart, he's waiting to see what you're going to say about it. Now, if you know you're a son or a daughter of the king of the universe, and Jesus bore your sickness, removed your disease, and you know you're not walking in sin, when that pain comes in your chest, what are you going to do? Are you going to receive it, or are you going to stand on the word of God and say, Devil, out in the name of Jesus? See, that's what you're going to do, Right? You rebuke that devil and command him to leave. And when you and I stand on the Word of God, then what does, when James 4, 7 says, Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will do what? He will flee from you. In other words, I read that in a commentary one time. It says those translations of those words literally mean when you stand on the Word and have submitted yourself to God, the devil will flee from you in terror. I thought, wow, I like that. I love that when that beast... Has, you know why he would flee from you in terror? He comes and attacks you, and you're not living in sin. You begin to quote the Word, and you're standing in faith on the Word. Guess who appears in the spirit world you can't see right beside you? The King of Kings. He says, oh, devil, you showed up to try to afflict my little son or my daughter again. Did you hear her or him say, I had bore his sickness, removed his disease. They have submitted themselves to me. They're walking in obedience to my word. He said, now then do I have to say anything else? And the devil said, no, master. I'm gone. Now, isn't that good news? That's good news. Well, see, he's a faith God. You've got to stand on the Word. You've got to know the Word. Now, if you don't know the Word and that devil attacks you and you push the panic button, there ain't no faith in that, is there? No. And so they take you to hospital and all these bad things. And then they give you your report. Oh, you got this or this or this or this. And, of course, you know, the good thing about going to the hospital when they run all these tests all night long, when you get the bill, it's only $50. I remember one night going to the hospital with a couple and a doctor was standing there and he said, oh, I'm not the one y'all need to talk to. You need to go down to this room down there. And his bill was $750. Just to say that. His bill. He was standing there in emergency when we came in and when he did just 
when he said what he did, he said, I'm not the one you need to see. You need to go down to that room right there. And I thought, well, that's nice of him to tell us where to go. But when we got the bill, his part of the bill was $750. And that one night for that one lady in that hospital, one night was $3,500 for the hospital bill. I mean, don't, I mean that's, that's really nice, isn't it? Isn't, isn't, isn't the, the hospitals really nice to us? And of course, if you die, they want your estate to pay the same the money anyway. Well, they they save you. I mean, you know, they don't guarantee their work in a hospital. Is that right? I mean, they don't guarantee it. If you work in a hospital, I just want you to know they don't guarantee the work. Now, if you come down to if you've got a car and you take it down, you spend two thousand dollars getting your transmission fixed, and it falls out next week, you will be back down there expecting a guarantee. Are you not? Yeah. Absolutely. You know, there's a good friend of mine used to own a shop and, and it was a doctor friend of his that come in and one day he come in and did something for his car and he said, good grief, that's extremely expensive for fixing my car. He said, you know, I went down to your doctor's office one time and you checked me and you didn't spend near as much time with me as I did on your car and it cost me ten times that much. And then he made a statement to him, you know, and sometimes when you charge us the money, we don't get well. said, sometimes some of your patients, and he said, the thing about when I make a mistake as a mechanic, you expect me to fix your car, don't you? He said, yes. He said, when you make a mistake, you bury yours. You bury your mistakes. Is that true? Sure it is. But when they bury their mistakes... If they come in and do surgery on you, they do open heart surgery on you. It's a hundred and fifty thousand dollar bill to do an open heart surgery, and you die. Do you still have to pay the bill? Absolutely. I mean, they charge your estate. I mean, if you got insurance, your insurance pays whether you live or die. And that's why we've got to, as a church, we've got to learn to stand on God's word, because these hospitals are getting so outrageous with what they charge. I mean, you can't go to a hospital now and spend the night. I mean, I mean, you, they do three or four or five tests on you and you spend ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000. I mean, it, it's, you cannot go in the hospital and spend more than one or two days. Like I say, the last time we went to a hospital, we took a young lady up there, Cheryl and I did, and when they walked in, that one doctor said what he did, and his part was $750, went to another room, and that doctor was in there 20 or 30 minutes, and he told us all the bad things that could happen. And all the bad things they might have to do. And I finally said, look, I've, I've, heard, I've heard all I'm going to listen to. I said, we don't want to hear all that nonsense. All we want is we're going to pray. And you're going to do what you got to do right now. And that thing's going to come out of that woman. And she's going to be fine. And I prayed the prayer of faith. I said, now get a hold of that thing. Take it out in the name of Jesus. And it came right out. He said, whoa, I need to take you with me. <laughs> but still, it costs $3,500. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing, you know, what, uh, what happens. But by faith in the Word of God, there's nothing impossible with us as children of the King when we walk holy in obedience to the Word of God. Then he says, put on that whole armor of God. And it says, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Then he says, Stand therefore. I mean, he didn't, he didn't stop when he said stand, did he? He repeated it again. Now, guys, that's for us. 
The women get this the first time around, but the guys, we've got to have it twice. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. Now, wait a minute. How is truth part of the armament of God? What, what is this? Having your loins girt about with truth. How, in other words, this is a spiritual battle we're involved in. He's trying to give us a physical picture of what we need to do. When we walk in truth, total truth, with no lies in our mouth, how many doors do we open to the devil when we walk totally in truth? None. Not a single one. You don't open a single. You have your loins gird about with truth. Now see, you, your loins gird about with truth. Hey, we see putting on armament. I've had people get up in the morning and say, Okay, I'm getting up this morning. I'm going to put on my helmet of salvation. I'm going to put on, I'm going to put my belt on. I'm going to gird my loins about with truth. I'm going to put my breastplate of righteousness on. I'm going to slip into my shoes of peace. And I'm going to attack the world today. Let me tell you, that's not the way it works. You don't get up in the morning and put on the loins of truth. You went to bed with them on. You woke up with them on. And if you told a lie before you went to bed, you took them off. And when you took them off, guess who's going to attack you in the night? If he comes by and says, oh, there is a crack, or this, that armament is not on. That girl went to bed last night with a lie in her heart. Oh, he says, now then I'll just shoot a little fiery dart in her. And you wake up in the morning with, oh my goodness, what a pain I've got in my leg. And you never associate it with the fact that you went to bed that night with a lie. You told somebody a lie. You opened the door because you didn't gird yourself about with truth. See, this is a spiritual battle we're involved in. You don't get up in the morning and put, gird your loins about with truth. You don't get up in the morning and put your helmet of salvation on. When did you put your helmet of salvation on? When you got saved. And you keep it on forever, right? You don't never take it off. You sleep with that thing on. You know, you sleep with the gir- your loins girt about with truth. Then he says, you gird your loins about with truth. And having, having on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, what does it mean to have the breastplate of righteousness on? Like I've said many times, are you the righteousness of God in Christ? Why are you the righteousness of God in Christ? Because the Word says Jesus made you the righteousness of God in Christ. So how often do you take off that righteousness? Never. You go to bed with it. You sleep with it. You get up and eat with it. You go to work with it. You walk with it. You don't never take the the breastplate of righteousness off, do you? No. Now then, how can you take it off? Somebody says, well, isn't it amazing that the prayer of a righteous man availeth much? And you say, yeah, it sure would be nice if I could be righteous. What did you just do with your... You just lost your faith. You just lost your breastplate of righteousness. It fell off on the floor. And guess who's sitting there to shoot you with an arrow? The devil. 
I mean, he could, he might very well immediately put something on you, some pain, some hurt, some sickness or disease, or whatever, because you have, are not confessing with your mouth, I have owned the breastplate of righteousness, because I am the righteousness of God in Christ, because the King made me the righteousness of God in Christ. Now then, if you're speaking that, you've got that shield You've got that breastplate of righteousness on, and you know you're the righteousness of God in Christ. Now then, then fiery darts cannot penetrate you in that area. I mean, he'll he'll try, he'll try to shoot at you, and he'll bounce them things will bounce off of you, because this is a spiritual battle we're involved in. It is not a flesh and blood battle, but it's spiritual, and the spiritual everything starts in the spirit world. Everything. All sickness and disease starts in the spirit world. The devil is the one that will shoot these fiery darts at you and cause this pain and suffering and start these problems. And when you buy this, that's when you're made sick. I mean, you know, who would have ever dreamed a few years ago, 30 years ago or whatever, whenever that devil, which had done it to me many times, that all of a sudden I'd just bend over like this or something. And all of a sudden straight, oh, oh, oh my God, oh, I just slipped a disc in my back. Anybody ever done anything like that? Man, I mean, or, you know, or you're going back and say, well, I guess it's been a, I'm really lucky it's been five years since I've had a disc slipped in my back. You know, I mean, it's about time for me to have another one. You never heard anybody say those kind of things, have you? Have you been guilty of saying those kind of things? <laughs> no more. <laughs> no more. You know, oh, well, Lord, that, that's such a funny joke. That just tickles me to death. No, nobody ever said that besides me, have you? Oh, I mean, it's amazing how we talk. You know, I get, when, when I found out that Proverbs 18.21 says, Life and death is in the power of the tongue, and every person shall eat the fruit of their tongue. And then Jesus come along in Mark eleven twenty three and said, Whatever you say with your mouth, if you believe it with your heart, you're going to have it. Now that means good or bad, doesn't it? Oh, so snared by the words of your mouth. It seemed like I read that in Proverbs too, didn't you? Snared by the words of your mouth. So you need to get a hold of your tongue. And so when you do, we take a hold of this. And then he says, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now then, what does it take to keep those shoes, those gospel shoes of peace on? Is it easy? Oh, Man, to walk in peace is like walking on glass barefooted. You know it? How many of y'all are like I was? You know, I raised up on a farm. And when I was a young guy, man, I could run out that door in the summertime and I could hit them rocks and them grass burrs and everything else. And I could just run right through them. My feet were just calloused, as hard as a rock. But let me tell you, today I can walk outside of the house... On the concrete, and there'd be a little rock out there, and I say, Oh, 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 oh! Any of y'all ever done that like me? You know, what's the difference? My feet are not calloused. I wear shoes today, and they get used to those good, soft bottoms. 
And they say, whoa, we don't need to be hard. We can be soft. And, and it makes it real nice, you know, when you feel your feet are so nice and soft. But when you run out there and jump on a rock, it, it, you, oh, 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 you know, you can't do it. I mean, I think here a while back, I was, uh, my, my little grandson, I told him he's only two years old. But the sun had come out that afternoon and the concrete was real hot. And I walked out there and I put my eyes, whoa, it's too, it's pretty hot. I told him, I said, he's barefooted, loves to walk barefooted. I said, Preston, don't go out on that, it'll burn your feet. Why? He didn't pay no more attention to me than the man in the moon. He didn't know what it meant to burn his feet. He run out there on that and said, ah! <laughs> something wrong here. <laughs> so I had to run out there and get him, put him back in the cool stuff. Now see, we can be told these things God tells us, but until we experience it, we don't believe Him. We don't believe Him. He tells us, just like I told Him, don't run out there on that hot concrete because it'll burn those little delicate feet. I mean, when you're used to running inside and jumping on the leather couch and jumping on the uh, carpet in there, I mean, the feet, that, that feels good, doesn't it? That's different. But when you get out there on them rocks and on that hot asphalt, and some of y'all been like me, if you're in a car in the summertime and it's 110 degrees in shade in Texas and you step out in bare feet on asphalt, what will it do to your feet? It will blister them. I mean, it'll put blisters on the bottom of your feet. Now, that's because we're all soft. You know, we've not trained and exercised ourselves. Now, if you had been used to running and you started running on that, that asphalt as it was getting warm during the season and your feet got callous and hard, why, well, you could run down that stuff with no problem. See, that's what we don't do. We don't callous ourselves with these things that God says. We don't stand on these things. We don't get tough in the Word. We don't read the Word and know that, hey, i got to walk with the gospel shoes of peace on today. Somebody runs up and says, I'm going to, I boy, just be meaner than the devil to you. And you say, that's okay. You can say anything you want to, but I ain't kicking my gospel shoes of peace off. I'm going to walk in peace and love with you today. Is it hard to do that? Absolutely it's hard to do that. It's so much easier to say, I'll tell you what I'm going to do with my gospel shoes. I'm going to take one of these suckers off and I'm going to hit you in the head with it. <laughs> now some of y'all probably been just like me, huh? Especially when you got a great big old number 12 boot, you can really hurt somebody with a number 12 boot. You know? But that's not what God said do, is it? He said, walk in peace. How do you keep them gospel shoes of peace on? It ain't easy, I'll tell you for sure. And it's this nonsense of getting up in the morning and saying, well, I'm putting on my gospel shoes of peace so I can walk in it today. That's nonsense. That's not the way you put them on. You've got them on 24-7 as long as you're walking in peace. But when you get out of peace, you kick them shoes off. They're out there somewhere else. And you're barefooted. And when you ain't got them gospel shoes of peace on, what can that devil do to your feet? He can shoot one of them fiery darts in you. And let me tell you, when them fiery darts hit, somebody says a fiery dart. I don't believe the devil has fiery darts. The Word says he does, doesn't it? Let's go on. We were at verse 15. And then let's see what verse 16 says. Above all, above all, this must be extremely important. Above all these things, taking the shield of faith. How important is faith? Believing the Word. What did he say? What is the most important of all these items? Faith. Walking in faith. Doing what the Lord says. Walking holy and obedience is His Word. Above all, taking the shield of faith. 
I mean, that's not really a shield. That's not something you get up in the morning and say, let me put my big shield on my arm here. Now, I got this big shield that goes from here, plumb to the ground, and I got this thing on. No, this is a spiritual weapon. This is knowledge and wisdom of the Word. This is your trust in the Word of God. That's your shield of faith. You've studied the Word. You know the Word. You've got the shield of faith. And he says, and taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench how many? All of the fiery darts of the wicked one. What? This devil's got fiery darts? He's got a bow and arrow and these things are lit? Let me tell you. One time in my life, I, had a per- I have seen God heal so many backs. I mean, it's just like I've got a special anointing for backs. When somebody comes out, I said, they say, I got back to her. I said, oh, glory to God. I know we're going to get you healed. I mean, I just know it. But one time I prayed for a guy or a woman. I forget now what it was. And the pain was as sharp as it could be. They said, oh, I just, right here, the pain is terrible. And I said, well, I prayed. I rebuked the devil. I've done everything. And nothing happened. And the Lord says, reach up there and pull out that fiery dart. I don't see nothing burning in there. What what is the deal? You know, in the name of Jesus. So you say, okay, the Lord says, pull that out. So you reach up and you, I'm clear what I got. Take it out and throw it away in the name of Jesus. And the person was instantly healed. Fiery darts of the devil. So, what if you have a pain somewhere? What if you got a pain in your shoulder? Pain in your neck? Pain in your arm? Pain in your back? And you prayed, you rebuked the devil and everything, and nothing's worked? You reach up there where the pain is and grab hold of that fiery dart and say, you devil of hell, in the name of Jesus, come out of me. I'm throwing you away. I'm standing on the Word of God. And get healed. And get healed. I mean, somebody said, that is the craziest thing I ever said in my life. I ever heard in my life. Well, let me tell you. That must mean Jesus is crazy. Because he evidently told the Apostle Paul what to write down. This book is all ordained by the Holy Ghost. And no man has written this book on his own, but only as he is moved upon by the Holy Ghost. Now, who can see the spirit world? The Holy Ghost. He knows everything. And he wrote this thing down through men. So he says that here, that above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to stand, you will be able to quench all, all, not part, all of the fiery darts of the wicked. So how does those fiery darts get in us? What opens the door for him to shoot at you? Sin. So if we got that shield of faith up, we got our loins girded about with truth, we got the gospel shoes of peace on. I mean, them boots come plumb up to here. You know, I mean, you got not just little, little big shoes, big boots of peace. You know, when Paul was giving this example, he was standing there looking, he was in captivity, standing there looking at a Roman soldier. This guy's dressed, he's got all this stuff on, he's got that helmet on, he's got that. Big old sword on his side. He's got that big old shield standing on the ground. He's got his arm in that thing. 
So if somebody walks around the corner and throws a spear at him, he just throws that shield up real quick and bam! That thing bounces off, saves his life. He's looking and saying, that's what it's like in the spirit world. I've got to tell people. I've got to give them some kind of an example that they can see. But I read this hundreds of times and I didn't get it. It took me a long time to get this picture of what he's talking about. But he clearly says there. Then he says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So he looks up there at that soldier and here's that big old sword hanging on his side. You know, that guy may have that big shield upon his left arm if he's right-handed. And all of a sudden a guy comes around the corner there and he's got a sword in his hand or he's got a big old uh, sword, a big old uh, spear and he throws it at this Roman guy and he guy jumps up and squats down and puts that big shield up and bam, that thing hits that steel shield and flops off of there and that guy's running at him. The guy reaches down and gets his sword and runs him through. Now see, that's, that's fighting in the flesh. But he's taking this fleshly picture and he's painting us a spiritual picture. He said, and take the sword of the Spirit. And then he says, I know they won't know what that is. The Word of God. So when that devil attacks, when he, ta- when he attacks, here's the whole thing. When that Roman guard was attacked, when he reached in there and he pulled that thing out, he had a great big gleaming sword. I mean, and that thing still. Can you imagine that... Can you imagine the men that as they fought back in those days would hack at each other and when they'd hit somebody? Can you imagine being hit with a four or five pound sharp edged sword about two or three feet long on your arm and laying it open plumb to the bone or maybe cutting an arm completely off? Can you imagine what that would be like? Can you imagine the pain and the suffering that would bring to you? And then, then the guy cuts your arm off or cuts it plumb down and the bones all that's showing. And you're in agony and pain. And when you back off and you move your shield over, then he just runs it right through your heart. That's fighting in the flesh, isn't it? Now, does men, has men ever done those kind of things to each other? Oh, yeah. It's happened over and over and over. And technically speaking... Who is behind all of this physical killing? Sure, the devil. The devil. Because if we'd been doing what God says, God says instead of killing each other, what are we supposed to be doing to each other? Loving each other. Now, I don't know about you, but I like that a whole lot better, don't you? You know, every war, every battle between every man and woman that's married or people that are not married, anything, all the battles that we suffer is always the one behind it is the devil. And he's working on our minds. But we have to learn who this beast is. And this physical, I mean this spiritual battle that we're fighting. And we've got to take this word and we've got to learn how to stand on this word. And when we learn how to stand on this word, when that devil attacks you or he starts coming at you, you've got to think a minute you got to put your heart in gear, not your brain. Because your brain will deceive you every time. you got to take your heart. you got to put it in gear. you got to let the spirit be in control. When the devil attacks your flesh and he puts pains or sickness and disease upon you, you don't never look at your symptoms. You take the word. 
and you say, I need prayer. Then you reach over and you take the, you take, you get you two or three great, big old, strong men and women in the Lord. Don't go out and find these, I mean, I don't care how big you are in the flesh. You know, if you're a weakling in the spirit world, I don't want you praying for me. You know, I don't want you walking and say, Oh, Thurman, I'll pray for you. Oh, God, please, if it be your will. I said, wait a minute, what scripture are you saying? Well, I don't know no scriptures. I said, then get out of my life. I don't need you. I want somebody, when they come up there and they pull that sword out, that booger is long and gleaming and sharp, don't you? I want to, let me pray for you. Okay, what scripture are you going to stand on? Well, let's see, let me start out here. Man, they just start down the line. About 15 scriptures later, I said, whoa, okay, you can pray for me. Ain't that right? Praise God. You walk in holy and obedience to the Word of God. I wouldn't think about sinning. I've got every sin repented of. I walk holy. I go to church. I tithe. I do everything God tells me to do. I walk in love. I said, woo, come over here. You can pray for me anytime. Isn't that truth? You want to be very careful who you ask to pray for you. In fact, I just got an email from somebody. I thought how unique this was. Somebody done a survey of a bunch of people supposedly that were Christian. Now, some of y'all might have sent me this email. I don't remember who sent it. It said a survey was done with thousands of people in hospitals. Some of them were told that there was a possibility that they may be prayed for for their healing. And some of them were not told. And then they got teams of people to pray for some of the people by name. And they said in the survey, there was absolutely no change. In fact, some of the people got worse. So I said, prayer don't work. It's just a figment of your imagination. Oh, are you, that's where that come from, Elder? It was in a paper, a New York paper. Somebody sent it to Dr. Young, and he shared that with us Sunday morning. Same, same story. Is that right? Okay, now, why is it, why is it that if people are prayed for that either don't know or do know that they're going to be prayed for, why is it that other people are praying for them and nothing happens? Boy, there's a lot of things, but that's one of them. Lack of faith, but sin in the life of the Christian. How many Christians, you know, that are out there praying, but they got up this morning with someone they're not married with? Do you want them praying for you? I don't want them praying for me. Because guess what? Their prayer will not be heard. It will not be answered. So what if what if they're more, what if they're more involved with some kind of an organization downtown, like some particular lodge or some whatever, and they're more involved and know more about that than they do the church? Do you want them praying for you? No, I don't either. I want somebody that's kept themselves clean and pure from the world. I want the only organization they belong to is the Church of the Living God. The Church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you that, of course, Elder knows that, Cheryl knows that, and all of y'all in here know this, that when you've got your sins repented of and you pray in faith, what happens, Deborah? Miracles happen, don't it, girl? You can get your prayers answered, can't you? Yes, you can. I mean, and not just sometimes... When you pray in faith, that's right. Every time when you pray in faith, when you've got that whole armor of God on, and you're walking in obedience to His Word, and all of those aspects, then that devil, he may be out there throwing him fiery darts at you, 
But the shield of faith will quench all of them. But you've got to keep that faith up there. If you let that thing down through any kind of sin, I guarantee one of them fiery darts will hit you. And I have experienced that in my life. I have experienced that before walking in total health and get off into some little sin. Make the wrong statement with your mouth. That's how easy it is to just say the wrong thing. Bam. You let down your shield of faith a little bit, and that fiery dart goes right over, bam, hits you right in the head. I mean, you can be afflicted with a pain in your neck or a, a, a sickness with your mouth or, you know, I mean, sinuses or all kinds of splitting headache. All kinds of things can come upon you so quickly when you sin. But when you repent of those sins and you keep the shield of faith up and you stand on the Word, how many of the fiery darts did it say it would quench? Hey, I like that, don't you? All the fiery darts of hell will be quenched by the shield of faith. Now, you've got to walk in that. When that devil attacks you, don't yield to that beast. Stand on the Word. Do what the Word says. You know, I mean, stand. How hard is it to stand when it's your flesh that's hurting? Pretty tough, isn't it? Pretty tough. You know, but when you stand on the Word of God, you will get your promise every time from God. Because He said you will. When you take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, then it says, oh, here's something that maybe we don't do a whole lot of. Praying. It couldn't mean praying always. Don't He know we got to work and we got to eat? We couldn't pray always, could we? What if you do pray always? You're obedient, aren't you? Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. You're praying in the Spirit. In other words, the Spirit of God is in control. Now, when you're praying in the Spirit, do you have to speak in tongues? No, you can speak in any tongue. But you're praying in the Spirit. If you're led by the Spirit and the Spirit is teaching you and leading you, you can, like a man I was talking with the other night, he, I've been talking to a lot of people in these foreign countries, and this guy said, I was down in a foreign country and there was no interpreter. And I had a group of people I had a message for, but the guy didn't show up. And I had no interpreter. I thought, well, Lord, you said we could speak in these tongues. So he said, oh, I'm going to get up and I'm going to talk in the only tongue I know. And that's English. But he said, I'm going to expect you to convert it to their ears so they hear it. So he said, I got up and give my message. And I thought I was speaking in English. He said, when I got through and gave the invitation, many people came to Christ. And one of the guys walked up to me later that came in. And he said, brother, I didn't know you knew our language fluently. He said, you were speaking beautiful, even our dialect. Isn't that amazing what God can do with the time the words come out of here and get to your ears? Now, what can God do? He can do so, so far above and beyond what we can think or imagine. All you've got to do is do something in faith. You do something and then leave the rest to the king. You know what we try to do? We try to do it. Oh, God, well, I mean, here I am, no interpreter, what am I going to do now? Lord, I know there ain't none of them going to hear me. I know they ain't going to hear, they ain't going to understand this. You hear anything wrong with any of those confessions? 
Everything's wrong with that confession. Yeah, everything's wrong. You're not saying, Lord, I know that with you nothing's impossible. I'm going to get up and I'm going to speak in the only language I know. And it may be English. But who knows what is going to come out. There may be one over here. In fact, we read in the book of Acts, this one will speak in this language, this speak in this language, this speak in this language. But the guy, Peter, he gets up there and he preaches to the whole bunch. And he said, in each group heard the Word of God in their own dialect. But he's speaking one language. Everybody heard in their own dialect. Now, for mankind, that's impossible. But with God, that's a piece of cake. The Lord says, oh, okay, when those words come out of Peter's mouth right here, these words on this side need to be German. This word right here to this lady needs to be Spanish. This word to this one right here needs to be uh, whatever. You know, French. And so, and this guy's sitting there saying, oh, he sure speaks beautiful French. She says, he sure speaks beautiful Spanish. Wow, he sure speaks beautiful German. Isn't that amazing? And... Then the guy back here said, boy, he speaks good English. (laughs) Everybody heard in their own dialect. Let me tell you, that's God. You know that? But when you have faith to believe he can do that, with our king, nothing is impossible when we do something in faith. So when we do something in faith, the Lord says here, having praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Watching. We're watching. Then it says, And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Just like a lady the other day come to me and said, Thurman, I need Boldness, how do I get it? I said, that's simple, I'll pray for you. Did Paul ask them to pray for boldness? That's what he said, wasn't it? So Paul wants boldness, and he asks, and he and, and they pray for boldness. If he asked for boldness, and is that an example the Holy Spirit give us? If you need boldness, how do you get it? You ask. Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, you said I could ask for anything. So, Lord, I need Holy Ghost boldness to come upon me. I need to be able to get up in front of them people, and I need to be able to proclaim your mighty word in the name of Jesus. I can remember when I was a member of Lakeland Baptist Church, when I was elected a deacon, and it would come my Sunday to read the stuff, at the, just the uh, little uh, stuff off the bulletin. And I remember getting up there in front of those people and I was going to read something off of a bulletin to about two or three or four hundred people. And I remember when I looked up and saw all the people, they're all my brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, I knew most of them had been in their home visit them firsthand. But I remember that day, I am sure glad I was standing behind the podium because I know my bitch's leg must have been shaking like crazy where my legs were shaking like this. I didn't have no boldness. I didn't know nothing about the Word of God. I didn't know how to get anything done. I had no idea who I was in Christ. Wow. What a difference. Somebody says, yeah, what a difference. Praise God. Somebody says, I want you to talk to somebody, and I want you to go up, and I want you to, to preach a sermon. 
And you're, you're, I said, well, I don't have my Bible with me, but how many should I talk to? Oh, about 3,000, 5,000, something like that. How long do you mean to talk? Oh, about eight hours. No problem. No problem. I don't need the Word. I got it right here and right here. Let's get up there and talk to you for six or eight hours about the Word of God and never even open the book. All you've got to do is learn He's in you. And anything you ask Him for, Lord, fill me with that boldness. Lord, now between here and the time I get to that platform to speak to them 5,000 people, I ask you to totally crucify and kill this thing. And you come to life in it. And you take total control. And you take all them scriptures and all that stuff I've hidden in my heart all these years. And you bring them forth and you use them for your glory today in the name of Jesus. And man, when you get up there and that Holy Ghost takes control of you, there ain't nothing impossible. And then when you start speaking the Word of God, miracles will happen. People will get saved. People will get healed. I think about when I was down at Big Sandy and that little girl. i never forget that little girl. She had, I think it was either 13 or 16 warts on the back of her hand. And I told that, war, that story about the warts on Philip. And she looked up at her daddy and said, Daddy, if Jesus would do that for Philip, he loves me the same. He'll do it for me. And he'll take these off of my hand. And her daddy said, when she said that, all of those warts fell off the back of my daughter's hand on the floor. Isn't God awesome? Oh, by the way, I forgot to tell y'all that all these miracles are for only for the first century. They don't work for us no more. <laughs> Have you ever heard that lie? I mean, I've heard that lie. Do you know that some seminaries today teach that? Isn't that a shame? The devil has so deceived us. Let me tell you, the book of Acts has never stopped. It should not be called the Acts of the Apostles. It should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because when you and I yield to that same Holy Spirit, just like Eldon said a while ago, Dr. Young was teaching them something Sunday when obviously he was out there with them or whenever it was. Just think, that's the doctor that just a few months ago was laying on a bed with a broken crushed back. And I had the privilege to pray that prayer of faith for him. He called Eldon and Eldon called Cheryl and Cheryl's talking to me over a dinner table at Sunday night and we're talking about making reservations to go out there and pray for him when I said, be sure and have him call me tonight. I want to talk to him before we go. And at 10 o'clock that night, he called. And on this very cell phone, I got right here in my pocket. And in about 15 minutes of talking, I prayed the prayer of faith for him. And based around Mark 11:23, since he was in excruciating pain, I said, there's no reason for you to stay in that pain. I said, the Jesus I serve heals backs over the telephone. You know how many, I don't even know how many backs I've seen healed over the telephone. But a lot of them. And so, one more time... I didn't care if he was crushed. I didn't care what was wrong with him. I didn't care if he's laying at home in excruciating pain. I know that Jesus, you and me serve, can do anything. And so I prayed the prayer of faith based around what's written in Mark eleven twenty three, and guaranteed Dr. Gary Young he'd get a supernatural healing from the king and his name was Jesus Christ. And bam, the king did it. And the man was instantly healed. And obviously today, he's still healed in the elder. Running around there teaching the Word and doing great things for God. Now then, God's no respecter of persons. You hide the Word in your heart and get like that and you speak those things in faith, what are you going to do for you? The same things. 
He's waiting for His children to believe Him and honor Him and be obedient to obey the promises He put in His Word. Now see, when we don't obey our parents, does it hurt our parents? Oh yeah. Does it hurt us? Yes. Well, when God made us a book full of promises and He tells us what to do and we don't obey Him and walk in His power, what do you think it does to Him? It hurts Him and it hurts us. It makes people wonder, is God really real? But if you're walking in obedience to God's Word and you're believing the King and you're speaking these things in faith and He's doing miracles all around you, kind of like at Sky Chef, when I was down at Sky Chef, six or seven years I was there. When I w- walked into that place, nobody there had ever seen a miracle. Three months later, they saw their first one. And then after that, I'll never forget what Dan Robertshaw said one day when two executives from Hobart was out there to give me a bid on rebuilding one of our big FT dishwashers. When I was talking to them, after we got through the business, I said, by the way, you guys Christians. Well, they kind of looked at each other, and one of them said, well, yeah. I said, well, where do you go to church? One of them said, well, I'm an Episcopal, and the other said, well, I'm a Lutheran. And I said, well, great. I said, it's wonderful. I said, do you guys see any miracles in your church? They kind of looked at each other and looked at me, and Dan Robertshaw walked in about that time. He walked by to get some, I believe, batteries or something out of the battery rack over there. And he turned and looked at those guys and said, you guys never seen no miracles? They're looking at him. He said, no. He said, don't feel bad. I'm a Lutheran too. He said, I never saw any miracles in church either. But after I come to work here, he said, miracles are a normal thing. We see them all the time now. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful to work in a place where the, not only was God doing miracles through me, he's doing them through them too. They're learning how to pray in faith. And they're seeing miracles. God is no respect to a person. How does He plan for the church to live? In the miraculous realm. Because He is miraculous. And when we make Him God, and we do what He says, when we ask Him to do things, He will do it. It's just like a man, also, another man I was talking to today. He said, I went in to have my car worked on. And the door, where the, something about the door, kept blowing on in the wind. He said, I'm trying to study the Word of God. He said, I realize, he said, I've listened to so much of your teaching. You said, pray about everything. He said, this door, the way they had the deal there, it wouldn't close. And it would, it kept blowing open. And that wind blowing and blowing my Bible. And I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to send an angel to hold that door closed. Thank you, Lord. It's done. He said, I said, there 20 minutes. The guy come up and said, by the way, now we got your car fixed. We can move it. No problem. He said, I happen to think. You know, that door never moved one time. And said, immediately the devil said, oh, but it, the wind changed. He said, oh, no, the wind didn't change. Devil, you ain't getting by with that lie. He said, the Lord sent an angel to hold that door closed just like I asked for. Now, see, when you get to where you live your life, Holy and obedience to God's word. What can you ask for? Did the king say that? Well, don't you think we ought to ask for anything every day as we go through the day? Because we're attached to the king and he made the promises, right? So you put on the full armor of gospel uh, of Christ. You obey the father just like he starts out in Ephesians 6. Talking about children, obey. Well, that's us. We're children. We got to obey. So when we obey all the way down and do what he says and walk in obedience to his word, then all those wonderful promises will work for you and for me. And we can walk and be blessed.
Isn't it awesome? I'm telling you. How much armor do you put you put on? All of it. Do you want to ever take any of it off? No. How do you take it off? You sin. You break the rules. And when you break the rules, you take off some of that armor. And when you take off some of that armor, that's all the enemy's waiting for. I mean, just like that Roman guard. What if that guy left his shield one morning? He comes, he's coming to work. And it gets about half what to work and, oh, I left my shield this morning. Oh, well, no big deal. I don't need my shield. So he's out there now without the shield. He's got his sword. He got his sword. But the shield, he forgot. And all of a sudden, they're in a battle. And he turns around. There's a guy standing about ten feet away with a great big six-foot-long spear. And he flings it at him. When you throw your arm up to kick that thing off, it's got a little bitty place to hit. And what if it goes right through there and goes right into there? Even if you got your sword up there, it ain't going to do no good, is it? Your shield don't do you any good when it's at home. So if you don't have your shield of faith, which is the Word of God, you've got that Word hidden in your heart, which is your shield of faith. You believe these promises. When the fiery darts of the devil are fired at you, they cannot penetrate that shield of faith. They will hit that thing and they'll bounce off. And there's no way, when you stand on the Word and you walk holy before God, there's no way that devil can do those terrible things to you. Wow. It makes God's Word come alive, doesn't it? And you walk holy and obedience to His Word, and then the king says, come and ask me for anything, and he will do it. And when you walk in obedience, that's when you can go to the throne of grace, and at the throne of grace in the third heaven, you walk how in there? Boldly. You come in and jump up in daddy's lap and say, Lord, I'm your little obedient child. I have a need down there for maybe my child, maybe my daughter, maybe my son is not walking in obedience to your word. Maybe they're living in sin. Lord, I rebuke the enemy that's blinding their mind. And I'm asking you, the Holy Spirit, to convict them of sin and draw them out of that trash and bring them back into your kingdom. And when you do that in faith, when you stay on his doorstep, guess what he'll do? He'll do that. He'll convict them of sin. And he'll bring them back home. And he will change her life. got a great letter the other day from a lady. She called me and said, My son is living in sin. I have prayed over him. I have done everything. I have talked to him. He won't listen to me. I said, Well, he'll listen to me. I said, Let's me and you go to the throne of grace. We're over the telephone. We go to the throne of grace. And I said, Father... In the name of Jesus, I want to praise you and worship you and thank you that you've given us all power and all authority over the enemy. And I begin to quote scriptures. And after I quoted several scriptures, I said, Lord, thank you for these promises, which are always yes and amen. So I said, I rebuke that devil that's blinding the mind of her son, so and so. I said, now, Lord, I'm asking you to send the precious Holy Spirit. I've kicked the devil out of his life. I ask you to convict him of sin. Mama wants him back home. She needs him to help her. So I'm asking you to convict him, bring the boy home, and bring him out of sin, and set him on high, and begin to use him mightily in the church, in Jesus' name. I got a letter from her the other day. She was thanking me, two pages long. Praise God. She said it wasn't but a few days. Out of the wild blue, my son called and said, Mom, would it be okay if I come back home? Oh, she said, son, yes. And he said, Mom, I want to go to church with you too. What, what does prayer do? I mean, this mother was saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, God. Thank you for Thurman. Thank you for the ministry you give him, Lord. Oh, she was praising the king. See? I mean, what happens when you pray in faith? 
Does it have to be Thurman prays that prayer? No, it can be any one of you. But when you pray that prayer, do it out timidly. Oh, God, please, if it be your will, will you bring that boy back home? No, he told you to come up there bold as a lion, didn't he? And demand that the devil get his hands off of that boy. Because who are our enemies? Flesh and blood? These principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and wicked spirits in the heavenlies, they are our enemies. And if we're walking in obedience to God's Word, how much power do we have over these beasts? Well, then it looks to me like it's a stacked deal, isn't it? It looks like it's a done deal when we pray in faith, right? And we pray and then we walk out just like a Cheryl left me that night after I prayed for Dr. Young. We're driving down the road and she's driving that night. You've been to the post office, you got the mail. I'm talking on the telephone, so she's driving. She looked at me and said, Honey, what do you think? I said, No problem. He'll be healed before we get there. You hear any faith in that? And what happened? The devil said, Well, I guess I might as well go. He said, Ain't nothing I can do here. That man's speaking in total faith. And the king said to him, said, yeah, You better hear what my son said. I'm fixing to reach up by the Holy Ghost and I'm going to hit Dr. Young and bam, instantly healed. Just think, who would ever dream God could take a man way off out of Salt Lake City, Utah, and you right here in Dallas or Justin, Texas, and pray a prayer over a telephone, and the power of God hit that man and completely heal him right there. Oh, that's what I said. Do thank you, Jesus, Lord. And Lord, we praise you and thank you and worship you for this evening. We worship you for the privilege of coming to get into your word. We're grateful for this Bible that we've had, Lord, that tells us all these wonderful things. Lord, we're so grateful for the word of God. Now, Lord, I'm asking you to use these people this week. As they go forth, I'm asking you to fill them all with the Holy Ghost and power every day. I'm asking you to help them walk holy in obedience with the full armor of God on every day to not get out of any of these things, but they walk in your power and that they stand in obedience to your word and they rebuke the devil and drive him out of their life and out of their children's lives and they walk holy. And Lord, thank you. For honoring your word and thank you for being our real live God that does great and mighty things. And Lord, we're so grateful that you're on our side. We're on your side. We're together. We're children and you're daddy. And Lord, we want to be obedient and we want to come against that devil. And we want to see you do great and mighty things so the people around us will see the power that we walk in. And they will want what we got so they'll come to you and walk in it just like we do. And we praise you and thank you, Father, for this evening. And bless all of us as we go from here tonight and everything we do the rest of this week in the mighty name of Jesus. Use us mightily for your kingdom. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord.